It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything about the world of video games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... Mike Minotti, 2018, to differentiate from the original release of Mike Minotti. Ooh, ooh. Which, which version? Did you stop doing version numbers? It, was, it used to be version 2, version 3, yeah, now you're just doing just, years? Yeah, so yeah, I'm inspired. I was playing Donkey Kong 94, so I'm inspired. Ah, fair enough. I, um, I like that game, Mike. Oh man, I haven't played it since it came out. We talked about it. I was like, yeah, it game's really good. And I uh, was at some Comic Con. I bought a Super Game Boy there, and then I went to like the, the used game store around here and got the, the you know the Game Boy cartridge. And last night I was just legitimately playing Donkey Kong '94 on a Super Game Boy on that TV behind me, and it was just like such a magical experience. That game is so good. It's yep, it's, it's, just, it's silly. It completely holds up, and that was one of those games that was made for uh, Super Game Boy, right? Not made, but like it was like, like it was as much as that makes sense. It was the Super Game Boy launch game, right? Exactly. That's it, it. Still has like more support for like a lot of games. They'll have like the pre-made color palettes and stuff. Like this game, right. some of the sections are in like full color. The audio gets boosted. Um, it's very much. It's very much. It's a Game Boy game, right? But you really kind of are supposed to play it on Super Game Boy. So it's like kind of a Super Nintendo game, but it, it, it's great is the important thing. And I mean, I, I was planning to talk about it a bit more. I don't know if you want to just go into it now or. Well, let's just uh, let's get this stuff out of the way. You can get more from me and Mike at GameSpeed.com. If you have something to share with us, email the podcast at GamesPlusPodcastAdventureBeat.com or get us on Twitter at GamesBeat or at GBDecides. If you're watching the video version of this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, there's an audio version. You can subscribe to that anywhere where pods are caught, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, all them apps. Uh, finally, if you like the show, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts and helps people find it. Um... And then we had a noise there. That <laughs> what did you do? Out. I didn't do it. That's when someone uh, follows us, I think, on Twitch. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. I, tur- I don't have Hey, a- thanks for the follow. Yeah, exactly. I don't have it. I should just turn it on. What the hell? Um, okay. So, yeah. like uh, Donkey Kong 94, what I remember is um, like really liking the idea of Donkey Kong and playing in the arcade a few times and being like, this is really hard. And then seeing the Game Boy version, I'm like, oh, having the Game Boy version, this would be great because I can like have it with me all the times and practice it and play it and maybe get used to it. And I, I don't know if I necessarily knew what the game turned into after the first couple I, of levels. I don't think anybody did, or at least I, I wasn't aware of it. Right? But yeah, I mean, the game's just called Donkey Kong with like that same font. Like it looks like, oh, <clears throat> you know, they made Donkey Kong for the Game Boy. That's kind of neat. And it, oh, it's like the Super Game Boy thing. And, like, the first four levels are literally Donkey Kong. And then it just, like, has this kind of, like, really fun twist. Like, I remember it surprised me where that's, like, the intro to the actual game. And then from there, it turns into this kind of puzzle platformer where there's all these kind of levels, and they're all kind of small. And the goal for every level is get a key and bring it to the locked door. And it kind of, like, and it, like, builds on the original Donkey Kong stuff mixed in with Donkey Kong Jr. stuff. Uh, Mario 2 stuff and precursors to Mario 64 stuff? <laughs> yeah, there's... Is it, is it is that the one that has the side jump? This is like... It, it's more about the backflippy and triple jump right. stuff. It's kind of in this for the first... Kind of like how the ground pound had its roots in Yoshi's Island. Like, this is the right. one that kind of gave us, like, yeah, the, the kind of crazy jumps. And uh, they feel so good in this game. And it's... And they kind of, like, let you... It, it's almost kind of like... <laughs> 
<laughs> now compared to Breath of the Wild. Like, all these little puzzles, like, <laughs> there's, like, the way you're supposed to do it, but there are kind of other ways if you're, like, really good with those backflip jumps or if you're kind of creative in, in your thinking. Like, like, there's not... A lot of these levels have more than one solution, and it's just super fun to play through. Yeah, I, um... I really love getting into that uh, into that game just because it was um you you like you were saying it was a precursor to a lot of des- Nintendo design elements. Uh, that was the one that made me fall in love with getting all of the extra accoutrement in the levels before finishing. Like because there's not just the key, there's also like the umbrella and all the other like power ups from uh, Donkey Kong as like just little icons in the level. And it's like to, like 100% a stage. You want to get all of those and then take the key to the end. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I love doing that. That was always, um, cause I it was, I always felt like, okay, this is the hard mode. This is how I challenge myself. And it always felt really rewarding to get through and actually do that. Right. And that was something that Nintendo started doing pretty well at this point. These kind of like items that like kind of add to the difficulty. Like you don't need to get them like the dragon coins in Mario world. And then the, 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 a lot, a lot of those things in Yoshi's Island, right? Um, it's, it's a design philosophy we see today, like some games like Celeste, right? Like where if you just go through the game, it's it's hard, but if the real challenge comes and you want to get the strawberries and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I The one disappointment about all this is then they started making those Mario versus Donkey Kong games, and none of them were like this. The they first were- one was supposed to literally be a remake of Donkey Kong 94 for the Game Boy Advance. Right, and but it didn't evolved. feel that way, right? It, it 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 evolved into what that game became, which then evolved into like the minis series. It it, it eventually somehow turned into a Lemmings thing. You can you can see how there is kind of like it, oh, yeah, it kind of was linear. someone's. Part. It's not as good. No, no, I, I I just yeah, I want I want like a sequel directly to Donkey Kong '94 today maybe uh, i don't though maybe i like that this is just this real weird like hey everybody they remade donkey kong for the game boy in 1994 and it's one of the best games ever (laughs) yeah yeah i uh i'm gonna replay it now just talking about it gets me excited it was always one of my favorites so i'm glad you're playing it mike that's good oh yeah um i uh i've played a few things i'm gonna i'm gonna hit before i let you do your world world of warcraft thing um uh, Dead Cell's still into that. The uh, review embargoes on Monday. Uh, the stream embargo is up now, like little, like an hour ago, as we're recording this. So I'll probably try to stream that today if I could find some time. Uh, on the Switch, the Switch version, anyhow, because it's been out on PC and early access forever. Um, still super into it. It still just keeps getting better. Um, I, uh, I, it's not. It, you know, I, I always talk about how like oh the animation's really good and the weapon variability is uh, very exciting. Um, but it's it's very much like, okay, I remember playing Spelunky and reviewing that game on the Xbox 360, and you know that's a game where it's like, you know, you, you go in there and you're going in, in these various uh, procedurally generated dungeons, and really it's all about learning uh, how, to, how the world works and getting better and, and, as a player. Um, and I, I like that, but I definitely had a problem with just like the movement in that game and the way it felt. And like the, the sprint was like really wild and people would be like, Oh, the sprint's wild because it's a risk reward mechanic. You go faster, but you might run in and you might hurt stuff. And it feels like what dead cells has done is it makes everything feel good. Nothing feels bad, but there's still a lot of that risk reward stuff. You can run through the level as fast as you can. And if you do that, there's like doors that are uh, time gated. And if you get there in just in time, you can get in there and you get a bunch of rewards. Uh, so you still can play that like sloppy fast style uh, and take chances that way. But but it still feels amazing the entire time, um, and so I feel kind of like validated in that. Like I didn't love Spelunky in the way a lot of people did because it's like, oh, I was waiting for this game. This is the game that I always wanted in that form. 
Uh, and I really, I, f- I do feel like I'm just, I keep learning. I keep getting better. There are like plateaus where I you know, take some time to get over those humps, but eventually I, I, I do. And you know, it's, it's, it feels real good. Um, so yeah, still highly recommend that game. And like I said, I'll have the review. Yeah, on Monday. So am I to do this, man? Just getting um, bigger and bigger. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's gonna get out of hand. I think. And here I am playing Donkey Kong '94. It's kind <laughs> of what I want to play because it's the most fun. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Do your thing, man. I mean, it, the games are coming now. We've been saying this for a few weeks. It's like Madden is out, and Madden is always like, this is when the fall starts. It's when all the the deluge begins. And I was playing Madden yesterday. So, you know, speaking of that, it's on PC now. It's okay. It works. It feels like a good game on the PC. It's um. Yeah, but you had to infuse it with your liberal agenda. <laughs> That's right, my S- <laughs> my SJW drivel. Yeah. I um, I, yeah, I don't know. I was I was playing it, and it, it works in 4K and 60 frames per second. It looks really nice on the PC. Um, Xbox One controller, you know, just connected to it, no problem. I guess the DualShock Four was having some problems. I'm sure they're going to update that soon. Uh, but yeah, it was very much like okay. I'm still just reminded like the NFL is maybe a shit show right now. It's not in the best state in terms of my relationship with it. Um, and, and they don't do a ton you know, they don't try to actively remind you of a lot of that stuff other than they bleeped Colin Kaepernick's name from a song on the soundtrack, which is just like, uh, they, just a I bonehead mean, move. Dude, that was a, move. It was a mistake. They just thought that they didn't have the rights to Colin Kaepernick. Right. Yeah. And they I, don't I, have the I rights to Colin Kaepernick. What I love is that they, why why get this song anyways? Do you want to know it's wild, Mike? Apparently, this is the second year in a row that they've had a, a song that mentioned Colin, Colin Kaepernick, and they bleeped it last year too, and no one no one noticed. I guess it was like less it was less of a thing. But this year, people noticed. It's like how two years in a row you do this? Like what do you? What, maybe what are you just doing? A, to, look if you're that sensitive about it. Maybe just avoid the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. Right? How many? Like, it oh, can't it's be, be another song. I mean, right? It can't be at all of them. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I would assume not. Uh, but man, yeah. So that, that's. I mean, the 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 licensing thing is like somewhat. I can almost buy that. But come on, like let's be real here. It's Colin Kaepernick. When when his name comes up, people perk oh up God. and. People that might be like, I, I don't care about this, will be like, oh, well, you know, we have this licensing problem. We can't put it. We, we have to bleep that. It just seems like, yeah, it, it's hard to buy that excuse. I, to, be, to be clear, that that the EA is, is going to put his name back in there. They said it was a mistake, and they said the reason that they made the mistake is the licensing te- team assumed because they don't have the license to put him in the game as a player, they couldn't use his name inside a song. And they're like, well, of course, that doesn't apply, so we're going to change that. And it's like, okay, whatever. Um but yeah, yeah, Madden is, 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 yeah, it's not necessarily Madden, it's the NFL, so my, my relationship with that is kind of breaking apart, so I'm kind of like, uh, it's hard to play this game right now. My, my relationship with the NFL is broken apart just because I'm a Browns fan, so yeah, I, had, yeah. I haven't had anything to do with the NFL for the last several years now, really, <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't hurt that I'm also a Lions fan, that makes me go to be like, ah, whatever. Um and then uh, I played No Man's Sky next, which we talked about briefly last week. That was coming out. It came out that day, last last episode. Um, next. Yeah, and it's you know I started a new character. I uh, did the multiplayer, and I jumped. It like immediately took me to the planet or the system at least that all my uh, the, the other players in the four player group were were in. Uh, and the planet that it started me on was just this like super hostile. Uh, radiate or like irradiated planet, uh, so it was very hard to get started, uh, very difficult. And I guess the way 
it the the, the the like starter system works is you can get like super hard planets from the beginning it's all just random uh and it, it it you know it lets players just deal with that if that's what happens or you can re-roll um but you know i i figured it out i got like a tiny bit of help from the other players but mostly they were just off doing their own thing and i uh i'm i'm enjoying it does it, it still make has- a difference to see the other people running around does that add to it I so yeah, let's talk about the multiplayer. Um, I do think it does. I like it. So here's how we were like approaching it because we m- most of us were pretty early. Even the people, the characters, or the players that like continued their characters from the earlier versions of the game. Um, a lot of their uh, upgrades weren't very useful anymore. So they're like, okay, I'm gonna go out there and, and find other ways to upgrade my character. So we were very much in the um, the treadmill part of like getting established in the universe. Um. So what happened was when we were kind of like looking for a planet to set, settle our base, uh, we sort of just spread out and like some of us were in, um, you know, on one planet. Maybe occasionally two of us were on the same planet. I would go say hi to someone briefly and then go off and do my own, own thing. And then someone might jump to the next star system and start scouting that for a planet. And it just felt like we were kind of working towards the same goal and it was all interesting to be in this vast vast space together uh but we almost never saw each other just because we were so separated i i still like that i like this idea of this small team like trying to catalog and understand this system and then the next system and trying to find the goldilocks planet uh and that felt very much like a um like a space exploration game that you might imagine you would want. It, it, that was cool. Uh, but then I, I ended up like a few days later, started playing a lot more by myself because people were playing other things. Not everyone's jumping on no man's sky next, just like you know, naturally like they were on the first couple of days. Uh, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that different and the game was still compelling. It was still keeping me going. Um, but it is, it's still the treadmill. It is, you are getting resources to improve your character and then that enables you to get more resources. And then you can prove your character more. There are, it seems like there's a lot more systems, like there's farming and there's these, these huge economies now. Yeah, base buildings, all, all these things you could do, d- decide to do, but it just feels like different forks on the, the treadmill. Right, and that's um, kind of why I'm not really interested in jumping back in. And that, that basic right. loop was never very compelling to me. Right, and it still has a lot of the same problems with uh, inventory management. It's really bad on the PC. It just f- feels bad. Like uh, there's this quick menu that you can that enables you to like heal the um, the energy that like you most need. Like you just hit X, and it brings up this menu, and it's like, oh, your shields are damaged on your ship. Let's let's go right there, and you hit F, and then you hit F again, and that that works pretty well because it just like fills it up with the uh, resources you need to heal your shield. Uh, but then there's like a bunch of other options on this quick menu, and it's like uh, the galaxy map or gestures, and just navigating it with the, with X to bring it up, and then Q and E to go left and right on it. It just all feels awkward and bad, and uh, and inconsistent because sometimes it feels like you you could hit the escape key to get out of one menu, and then you always have to hit the right mouse key on another menu to get out of it. So it's it's yeah, it's busted and and, and bad in a lot of ways. Um, but th- there is still something about the game where it's like, oh, man, there's it, it just feels like, oh, so close to being exactly what I want. Um, and I, I did realize that uh, going back to the multiplayer real quick, I, 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 I like it. I think it works. Uh, but I definitely prefer the flavor of multiplayer where it is all these people in a sh- completely shared experience. So in No Man's Sky Next, if I um, were to build a base 
and then and then you know come back into the game and then join my friend's game uh, a different friend and get in their game it would just zap me right to their system and i would start there my base would still be back on the other planet all the stuff i was doing with everyone else is kind of like forgotten and i'm still basically on my own story uh and i um you know i played eco earlier this year that that minecraft game with a lot more systems where there's an ecology and and, uh, and an economy um and i and we were everyone is working together and one thing that one person does affects everyone else if you uh, if you pollute too much everyone deals with the the fallout of that pollution and it's just that's not what's happening in no man's sky it doesn't seem like it's even capable of like implementing a system like that just by the way it works uh, it's it's very um instanced and every uh, er, like it migrated hosts seamlessly and i think that's just because it we're not really on like the like when when one player starts a game and we join his game we're not really on his server we're just connecting for voice uh i don't think like the weather systems sync up i think one player might be experiencing different weather than i'm experiencing uh and so it's yeah it's just kind of like okay we are together we are doing these things together but it's not this shared experience that i prefer um so, so yeah I'm, I'm i'm at a point where I'm, i am still enjoying it but there's just a lot where you know, it, it, when you try so much, when you're so ambitious, you could find a lot of spots where you're like, well, this isn't as good as I want. This is broken. This is bad. And that's where I'm at. Do you think they've kind of like fixed up this game as much as they could? It, like, is there another big, like, oh, look, as we added a lot more things to this guy again, or is there a point now where this one is kind of set and maybe there's got to look to the next thing? Uh, my guess would be there's going to be at least one more named expansion the way they've done the la- like they did one last year. Now they've done this nomad sky next. My guess would be they do at least one more. Um, you know, that there, it, it feels like it has enough players, it, it, you know, it, and I, they've seen now that when they do one of these, they get a lot of buzz. They get a lot of people coming back. Oh, I'm sure it's pretty big for them. Yeah. I imagine that they would want to try to capitalize on that at least one more time. Uh, why not? Uh, the game's still sixty bucks. I mean, they dropped it down a lot to thirty for a lot of like there was a lot of sales around the time of this launch. But you know, it, it still feels like yeah, you know, we can maybe permanently knock it down to thirty next year, and then do a sale down to fifteen and do a new launch. And it just it feels like they've all, that they have a lot of room to work with, and I think they'll take it and try to do something. Um, let's see. I, I also played a bit of VR because I uh, got the VR uh, the Vive Pro, which is just like. It's an updated version of the Vive with a higher resolution screen and just all of the the attachments that connect it to your head is just way better. It's not just this Velcro ski mask anymore. Uh, it's like this plastic thing, a lot more like the PSVR where there's a latch that you can dial in and make it a bit tighter. And it's got built-in headphones. I, uh, I like it. It's, it works really well. Um, all that stuff's great. Uh, and it, it may not be... The, the resolution may not be like such a huge upgrade... Uh, that I would pay eight hundred dollars for it if I wasn't reviewing it, um, but yeah, I, uh, I I think I, I could see where they're going with it. I'm glad they made all the improvements, uh, but that's that's the headset. The games I played were uh, Beat Saber and the the Sega Genesis collection that added the VR mode. Uh, Whoa, Beat Saber, wait. yeah, go 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 back to that. Yeah, so I, I, I know about Beat Saber. Tell me about the <laughs> Sega thing. So okay, so have you played the one on the for the PC, the Sega Genesis collection? Yeah, the one PlayStation Four. Is it? Are you like in that virtual like nineties room? Yes, exactly. So oh. so that's what that's where you go in the VR. Like in VR, 
if you uh, you like look to the right and there's that collection of games and you can like select which one you want and then it zaps over to the system and then what it does at first is it just blows up into a big theater mode in the in the black but if you back out of that you could just sit in this 90s kids bedroom look at a virtual CRT TV like scoot up close to it and play games on it and like look around and see all the posters of like Golden Axe and bo- and all that is bullshit. Is that as awesome as it sounds? It's kind of really cool. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, like that. I mean it's 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 dumb and bizarre, <laughs> but it's also kind of, I mean it was neat. It's one of the reasons I was like, I bet that's exactly what this game is. I'm gonna like I bet it's gonna just put me in that room and I'll be able to play games on a virtual TV. Right. I mean it's what I, I want to do that happen, but yeah, right. please. Yeah, and I, I, I did it and it worked. I um I really did have to scoot up to the, to the TV, even with the Vive Pro and the upgraded sure, resolution. Sure. It's still it's still just a bit worse than playing on a real CRT TV. So I wish worse I could like, than make a it... real CRT TV. That's a, that's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, I w- I mean like yeah, I wish I could like make it bigger and like uh, just kind of get right up on it, and that would fix it. But you can't really control the size, as far as I can tell. Uh, you can just play it in that theater mode, of course. But I wanted to be in the, the stupid room. Uh, it was it was neat, you know. I played a, a bit of uh, Streets of Rage, and then I you know put on a, a few other games. It was Vector Man. It was Vector it was Man. it was cool. The, the the Sega answer to Donkey Kong Country. Right. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's a it's fun game. It's, it's, it's not. I mean, it's fine. It's not great. It's not Donkey Kong Country, right? Um, and then just on Beat Saber, real quick, it really is just kind of great to get up and move and play games at the same time because it's got you know it has all of the characteristics of a video game, like you like you know any other r- rhythm game. You are just like getting in tune with the game and you're pressing buttons, but the way you press buttons is like dancing with your whole body, and it's just yeah, it's still just a great experience. I'm really really into it. So yeah, that's that's me though, Mike. Uh, why don't we uh, talk about World of Warcraft now? Tell me what's going on Man, with this game. World of Warcraft. So it's. Oof. It's been a kind of an interesting couple of weeks for World of Warcraft. Uh, it's we're kind of leading up to the launch of Battle for Azeroth, the seventh expansion coming out on August fourteenth. And there's always, you know, in recent Warcraft history, or pretty much really since forever, there's these pre-launch events where a few weeks before the expansion comes out, you get kind of a patch that. Basically, like, the launcher becomes, like, Battle for Azeroth now, right? Like, all, all the character changes are there. So, like, there's, like, the new talents and some of the spells are different. Um, and you have, like, a lot of some of the new systems uh, and stuff are in place. Like, there's this new PvP mode and, and, and things like that. It also, you know, has these new storyline things that are kind of setting up the expansion. And the thing that has kind of got a lot of people said, and, and I wrote about this too, is the storyline events make it very clear that the Horde is the aggressor in a pretty almost unjustifiable way, and th- this this storyline so far ends with the horde leader, who is a like undead banshee, scary lady called Sylvanas, who uh, is kind of just you know acting as evil as you might imagine she would be. She, she burns down this the world tree, which you imagine you know it's called the world tree. It's kind of important, which is also like a literal home city for the night elves. So you know kills a bunch of people in there. So it's this very heinous like dark thing and. A lot of Horde players are, a lot of players in general are upset because one, it's like the Horde are clearly the bad guy right now. Right. Uh, so Vonis is evil. And I, like, I, I think if you look at World of Warcraft from the outside, you might think the Horde is, has always been evil, but the whole faction is kind of built on honors, like a, a collection of like these kind of refugee races. Um, like, and that was the thing that Warcraft 3 did in early World of Warcraft, that was the big legacy was 
like, oh, look, the orcs aren't the bad guy and blah, 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 right. stuff like that. It kind of inverted those tropes. And this is was kind of back to, you know, where it's evil. The other problem is, you know, we, we all kind of see where this is going, right? That there's going to be kind of a rise up uh, against her within the Horde. We got a cinematic today, which is actually a really great cinematic. It was a CG cinematic. Just a story that shows this kind of orc veteran who doesn't agree with this stuff and kind of how he feels about it. And, but, and it's really nicely done, but this is kind of where we thought this was going to go. Oh, there's going to be a rebellion against this leader and there'll be another new Horde leader. This will be like the fifth Horde leader since this game launched. And it's also a storyline we already had in the Mist of Pandora expansion where the Horde leader, Garrosh, went crazy and evil and we had a rebellion to overthrow him. So a lot of people have just kind of been griping about this this story direction in general. Hmm. I does I mean is there a do they have a lot of other options like do you have like something in mind that you would have preferred? I think that you would invert the trope. I think that you would maybe uh, make the alliance seem kind right. of like more of the aggressor here, and there there were kind of options to do that. And I think it might have been interesting, or at the very least, put them on a bit more of a level playing field than mm -hmm. than this where it just seems like the court are very clearly uh in the wrong here and, and i'm admittedly a little sensitive to it because i would rather not be playing horde my main character is on horde all my friends play horde and it's a in it world warcraft is ultimately a game about doing raids and dungeons and you need right. to be on the same faction as your friends to do those so I'm kind of stuck on the Horde when I would rather be in the Alliance anyways. And now also, oh, God, now the Horde storyline is making me, you know, uh, help a crazy undead lady uh, burn a city full of elf women and children. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. Yeah, not great. Then I look, I, mean, at the, uh, I look at the other side. They have, like, a gold lion on their crest. And, like, their blonde locks are flowing in the hair. And they're, like, surrounded by righteous light. And I'm like, ugh. Yeah, it's like uh, that skit show. is like, are we the baddie? Yeah, we it's have exactly. skulls on our... Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing we've learned in A Thousand Miles of Retreat, it's that Russia's in dire need of industrialization. Sorry, it's the... <laughs> the quote there um so okay, but is there is there a way they could pull this off that you'd be satisfied with the story i mean if the execution is as good as it is in this cinematic we got today like that would that would help, would help. a right. bit like you know that's the thing about stories right like narratives themselves or basic plot outlines are almost kind of inconsequential to the execution mm -hmm. and that was part of the problem with the these quest lines, the execution was sloppy, where we... So Vance was doing all these evil things, and they didn't, at that moment, have, like, the Horde opposition saying anything. You know, it, was, it would have been very nice if when she's bringing down the World Tree, which, in the context of the story, seems to be a decision she makes as, like, a way to spite a um, night elf who's mean to her. <laughs> it would have been at that moment, somebody's like, wait, no, we shouldn't do this, and, you know, then she makes them do it anyways, but... You know, it, it just seems like we were all complacent in that decision at the time, and people don't, I don't, you know, it, it's weird. I, I wasn't really for this whole doing another, like, hardcore Horde versus Alliance thing right. anyways. It, it's getting a little... It didn't seem like many people were for, for that. It seemed like, oh, again? Right. And it's, it's very clear that this is going to lead to the rise of a, a, a kind of an evil group called the Old Gods, and we're going to, once again, band together to attack them instead. I, I almost just wish World of Warcraft would... Like, ditch factions as a requirement for, like, a lot of the PvE stuff and story stuff and just say, look, factions exist for PvP because it's kind of a necessity, but, like, right. don't take it too seriously in the same way you don't take it too seriously that, you know, 
you have a spell that turns you into a frog or, you know, what, what have you. <laughs> um, it's complicated. And part of the problem is that World of Warcraft is a 14-year-old game with, like... 5,000 days old. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 5,000. Yeah. Our, our coworker Rowan wrote uh, an interesting thing about this, how, you know, typically, like, a, like a, a, anything that's, like, a long serialized form like this is, like, what, a TV show or a comic book. TV shows will end typically at like right. five, seven, nine seasons, maybe, right? Because there just right. gets to be 100, too much. 150 episodes is kind yeah. of like you're getting really far along. There's there. just too much baggage. And then the other option is comic books, which reboot themselves constantly. Right. And it, it almost does seem like, man, it would be nice if World of Warcraft could just kind of reboot. And I don't know if that's a World of Warcraft 2. I don't know how plausible that could possibly be just because right. if you launch a World of Warcraft 2, there's going to be so much less content right away than what players are used to right now that it might be just too hard for them to swallow. But at the same time, I don't know like how much more can you just keep tacking on to this infrastructure of a 14-year-old game. And we're seeing technical effects of that too. When they launched this new patch, there were all sorts of problems with the way stats were kind of misaligning with older content, there were login issues. Like it, it kind of just feels like this this mach- this abomination of like a game engine is just kind of getting. <laughs> it's right. It's like it's kind of like the limping along now. Like what are you adding to me now? And because there are still things in there from like that two thousand and four game, yeah, you yeah. know it's. So it's, yeah, it's they all can't kind extract of that stuff. It's part of the lineage. It's it's unavoidable. They have to they have to deal with the problems that they created 14 years ago, right? Right, and the limitations that they kind of have, and they can do a lot of things to fix things here and there. But it, yeah, it is just weird. And you know, I want to be clear. I'm not all down on this. I've been playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. I've been, been having I'm sure it still scratches a lot of the same itches. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's it's an interesting time, and people are definitely uh, the community is engaged. Uh, I'll say that, and, and they're. Like you go on like the World of Warcraft Reddit today, and the tone is a lot happier because everybody likes the new cinematic, especially right. it's like this young plucky troll shaman in it that everybody's calling a zappy boy, and he's a big hit. So <laughs> spirits, spirits are high today. Good. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, tomorrow Sylvanas is going to kill a puppy or something, and we'll all be right. mad again. Well, uh, I mean, it sounds interesting. Like you said, it does sound like the fans are wanting to know what's going on with this game and are paying attention. Right. So. And part of the problem is that it is like these stories are time gated, right? Where you get a bit of it this week, you get a bit of it next week. And we're, you know, it's, it's, we don't have the whole picture. And I think a lot of people are understanding of that, but also they, they get frustrated. So it's, it's weird. I almost think that I'm not one of those people who has like the rose tinted glasses for vanilla WoW. But one thing I would like to see is kind of maybe the return to, like, the lower stakes. And there's not so much of a giant arching story as much as, like, every four or six months you get a new raid. And there's kind of a story around that. Right. And it doesn't necessarily involve, like, six NPC characters talking to each other while you kind of stare at them sort of a thing. Yeah. I, yeah. It does seem like they... I- it seems it sounds like they have a lot of other options that they could pursue but they I, I don't know for some reason they keep falling into this rut of the way they have always done things so we'll see um you ready to get into the news mike or you have anything else to say about world of warcraft no, let's get some newsies all right there we go that's the those are the beeps that mean we have news it has happened mike the mpd report came out earlier this week uh for june even though it is now August, uh, it got kind of delayed. I think they had uh, some changes in the way they reported some stuff, so they delayed it a little bit. But we've got it now. Um, 
we'll, we'll go over it right now. Let's, let's start with hardware up top here. I think that's just maybe the most interesting. Uh, yeah, we have right now. Everyone's you know getting into the PlayStation Four, Xbox One, Switch. Those all those systems continue to grow. They all sold more in terms of dollars this year than they did last year. But the number one selling system of June was the Nintendo Entertainment System. Finally. Uh, yeah, exactly. Finally having its day in the sun. Uh, to be clear, it's the NES Classic Edition, of course. They um, re-released that. They like relaunched it on June 29th. And then the reporting period for the uh, MPDs of, of June kind of went to like the 7th of July, uh, just based on the way they do things. So it had about a week of sales in there and was able to outsell everything else. Man, people, and, in terms of units, of course, not dollars. Right. Size, and, and, and part of that is sort of pent up market demand, right? This thing. That's right. Uh, there, it never came close to meeting the market demand. Then it was gone for like a year and right. then it, it came back. So yeah, I don't think the NES Classic is going to be the number one selling system next month, but. No. Yeah, but I mean, still it's still real interesting. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy and they definitely uh mpd said matt Pescatella, the analyst for the mpd group said it's the first time that the nes has topped console sales since they started tracking sales in 1995 so yeah i mean i i to me even you're right this is not going to uh continue we're not going to see this happen month to month uh but this kind of confirms like they're gonna do another follow-up they're not just gonna have the nes and the super nes classic they're gonna have n64 classic or game boy something very soon right and they may be selling out too because these things are, are hit. They're they're actually are really good machines. Right. Like even when I was playing Donkey Kong uh, last night, like I was fumbling around. Like I, I probably had to start and start the system and like jiggle the cartridge thirty times right. before I got it to work that one time. And you know these things are getting old. They're not going to be around forever. So having machines like this is great. And it's you know as someone who likes these things. It's, it's kind of comforting to me to see how successful these things are. Like, yeah, people right. want to play NES games still. Like, people aren't like, oh, no, these are too old. I don't like them. Like, there's a huge demand for it, so much so that, you know, it definitely surprised even Nintendo and, and kind of everybody. Right. I was, uh, I was like, writing this thing about, like, uh, like just kind of internally explaining, like, what we do at GamesBeat. And I was like, there's just so much. The, the, the games industry is so crazy, and so people are so into different things. And it's like, oh yeah, we could just write about the business side of stuff. But then, like, look at all this that's happening with like retro games and how big of a market that is, and how much people want want that stuff. And it's like, if you don't cover that as well, you're not really getting the whole picture of why certain ideas work and certain things don't. And it's just like such a dynamic place. And like you said, I'm glad that they are selling because it's just like, it's fun to write about old games and it's oh part gosh. of the business. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely great for me just because, yeah, I do have a blast just kind of covering stuff. In fact, uh, my, my retro beats, my article on uh, classic yeah, how is games. this thing? Yeah. So, the, yeah this, this thing looks pretty cool. If you're listening on the audio version, I got to set this, uh, this book called the SNES Omnibus. How do you spell? You say that Omnibus, right? That's right. Yeah. And it's this giant kind of coffee table book. It's volume one. I think it's uh, every Super Nintendo game officially released for the system A through M. And it's this really beautiful book, and like each game has like at least a page devoted to it. You get pictures of the, the box art, the cartridge, some screenshots. Sometimes you get ads. Um, there's like a short description for each game. They'll usually have at least one quote from like somebody who did something like a review of the game. So you kind of have like an idea of what like the like you know was it any good. And then for some games, we'll even have these like insider insights where the people who worked on the game talk a little bit about it. Uh, and this thing is super fun because 
you know, you, you, you know, you have like your big games in here, like here's what's civilization, but then you have these weird games that you probably like, you don't even know about like Chuck rock. What the heck is Chuck rock? Yeah. No idea. There's a Yogi bear game for this system. Apparently Uh dragon lair came out for the super Nintendo. How about that? Hold it up a little bit higher. I want to see what the art looks like. Just get on the video. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. That looks great. Right. So it looks, high, it looks super high quality. Is it hardcover? Oh yeah. This is a really nice that looks awesome. book. This is nice and heavy, nice and big. Yeah. That, very very classy cover. Yeah, game. awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna. Right. I'm, I'm, it's definitely one of the ones I'm gonna pick up for sure. It's a very nice book. I really would like that. Uh, Are you, oh, do you Bugsy. feel like you're, you're re- reading it and you're learning stuff that you didn't know? Yeah, well, yeah, but it's just kind of more like coffee table books. Usually, it's just kind of fun to just take it and of course flip through it and kind of be like, oh look, a, a, the fishing game Bassmaster Classic. Who could forget that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. Let, let's uh keep moving with the MPD. I'm yeah. I'm gonna pick that. How much is that? Do you know? Off the top of your head, I think. It was, I mean, it's, I think it's like fifty dollars. It's pretty. Yeah, it's big. a big one of the big. Yeah, it was one of those big books. Fifty dollars. That seems fair for one of those. Um, all right. So m- more on the hardware. Uh, other than the NES, uh, the PS4 was number one in terms of hardware revenue. Uh, that's been kind of the the. It, it's been the same for the last three or four months at least. Uh, the, uh, some systems will come in here or there, and I just think the PS4 is at a really. It's at the sweet spot of its life cycle where it has a bunch of different SKUs. There is the PlayStation 4 Pro, and there's variations of that, and the PlayStation 4 Slim, and there's variations of that, and there's a ton of bundles. And it's just covering this whole market and giving everyone like something to buy in a way that the other systems aren't yet, especially the, sw- the Switch. is just like a couple of versions. That it also has you know God of War uh still going strong which is you know like the strongest playstation exclusive ever so right yeah so it's the fastest selling playstation exclusive uh since the mpd started tracking in 1995 so essentially from the beginning like yeah that's the when, like play right, let's, came out. let's uh push you know battle send in tushita or whatever yeah battle arena toshinden yeah unless that was a yeah, like, bigger hit than one. this uh, probably i would say so for sure um <laughs> they uh yeah so god of war doing pretty good for for sony like I remember seeing like a, a, a before the MPDs came out, someone's like, "Hey, can Spider Man or um, The Last of Us Part Two out, uh, outdo or outsell God of War?" And it's like, "No, homie, no." I mean, those games are going to be huge, but no way. God of War is just this uh, massive event for Sony. It's this huge exclusive with like a really good uh, history to it, and then the game is just a, a really a magical update to it. And so, yeah, it's, it just, it's interesting because it both of those games. I I don't know if I would maybe not Spider Man depends, but I. Last of Us Part Two could be really big. It, it's hard to say. I mean, it's going to be really it's gonna, big. It's, it's going to be really big. big. I, I mean, I think there's maybe a a a you know a devil's An tier of a chance, chance of it right, having. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that expression means. I just made that up. A devil's <laughs> tier of a chance, but uh, of of getting those God of War. See, that, we'll it sounds like that'd be a really good chance. I don't know something about that. A hot chance. Um, uh, yeah, I th- maybe maybe, but I I still I just think. I don't know. God of War just hit so hard, and and uh, with the exact right uh, excitement, and at the exact right time for that franchise, where people are like, "Man, it'd be nice if there was a new good God of War." Um, where you know, a few years before that, people didn't care about the series at all. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I, I think God of War is probably going to hold onto this uh, this this record for a bit. Um, as for the industry as a whole, it was up twenty five percent, but that was not due to software. Software was down. Uh, let's see about. Well, it was just kind of flat, down one percent. Um, so in total, though, the industry made one one point zero eight billion. Uh, and the reason it was uh, able to grow like that is hardware was up fifty two percent to three hundred fifty million dollars, and accessories 
up 38% to $353 million. And that accessories, uh, the reason they keep growing is it seems just, yeah, Fortnite. Fortnite, people are going out and they're buying new, like their own controllers so they can, you know, and they're buying their own headsets. It just feels like that's what's driving people into stores to go get these things, um, especially headsets, because people need to communicate for that game. And the the build the build, you know the bundled headset with the PlayStation Four and even the Xbox One they're pretty bad. They're not so. doing it. Yeah, and then like the Switch supports voice chat in the game now for Fortnite, so even that's going to be selling some headsets too. Um, Wait, it's not using the Switch app? I, for some reason, no, I can't imagine why. What? Like, How strange! Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's get the software. So, like like we said, it was kind of flat. Um, but it, you know, it, it seems like just because there wasn't a ton of new releases. Other than Mario Tennis Aces was the big one. Uh, that was number one on the chart. Do we know? Has a Mario Tennis game ever topped the chart before? I doubt it. Uh, we right. don't know for sure, though. But that's I think pretty, it's the be- pretty good. It, I mean, well, I know this is definitely the best or the fastest selling tennis game ever because uh, the MPD said, um, I said basically that, that uh, in terms of tennis games, this is the number one for uh, an opening month. Uh, Mario Tennis, Tennis, by, Tennis Aces by far has beat Virtual Tennis and other Mario Tennis games. Uh, so clearly uh, far ahead in that, just that genre. So I would imagine other games haven't topped it unless they came out in really weak months. Um, right behind it, though, was God of War. Uh, I think this is God of War is, what, third or fourth month on the chart? So still, like, holding yeah, strong. Still going pretty strong. Right. Uh, Talk about then, going strong. And <laughs> Grand Theft Auto V at number three. Oh man, that thing ain't going nowhere. Man, uh, even you think even, even when Red still. even when Red Dead Redemption Two comes out, I think people are. Uh, I don't think Grand Theft Auto Five is going anywhere. Is Red Dead Redemption Two possibly going to have this kind of staying power? I can't imagine. I, I I mean I my bet would be probably no because it feels like those fans are going to invest in one or the other, and if they're already so invested in GTA Online, then they'll probably stick that. You 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 want do you know one of the theories of why GTA Five continues to sell so well is. Apparently, it comes with those shark cards, and it, people are finding that it's cheaper to buy a new version of GTA V, sell the disc, and just use those cards wow. uh, than to actually buy the cards separately. That's that's a theory. I, I don't. I think it's uh, just that it's that popular, um, but maybe that helps a little bit. Um, after that is the the Crew Two at number four. Is this a debut um, month for a Crew Two? I feel like it is. I'm, I'm actually going to look it up. The the Crew Two release date. Yeah, June 29th. So, yeah, it, it had the same amount of uh, days on the market as the NES Classic. Uh, so about a week of sales there. That's, uh, that's pretty weak. That's a pretty weak uh, debut uh, for a first month for a game like that. I, I, to explain, for a lot of people, uh, they don't give numbers. The MPD doesn't provide numbers. Sometimes the companies will provide numbers. I think Nintendo probably did something similar. Uh, did pro- probably provided numbers for Mario Tennis Aces. I don't have that those in front of me, but... If a new game comes out and it doesn't outsell Grand Theft Auto V, typically I find that it's a disappointment. That's that's been my metric and it's worked pretty well so far. Um, so the Crew Two coming out in its first month and not outselling Grand Theft Auto V. Well, to be fair, Grand Theft Auto V did have a new release that month. It was Grand Theft Auto V like Ultimate Edition or something sure. like that. So maybe this is not the best month to use that metric. But in general, still you would expect a new game to outsell one from 2013. Um, but, you know, Ubisoft is making it up in other areas. Number five is Far Cry 5. Uh, and then, uh, I don't think they have anything else on the list, but Far Cry 5 is the best-selling game so far of 2018. Right, so. it's been having some legs because that came out a couple months ago now, right? Exactly, so. yeah, one of the early releases of the year. Um, uh, let's see, let's get through the rest of this list. Six is Mario Kart 8. Mario uh, Kart is- 8 is really, like, that is the persistent... I, I, think, oh, yeah. I think both Zelda and Mario Odyssey are still selling 
consistently, but like Mario Kart 8, for just being like that, you know, enhanced version of a Wii U game, man, that's doing yeah, I, I mean, Mario Karts are always the best-selling games on a Nintendo system. Seems like that could end up being the case here as well, although it's not yet. Uh, I think um, I think Zelda, maybe Mario, I think Nintendo released like their, like... Mario Kart. is the best-selling game. Right, right. But uh, so far this year, uh, actually, Mario Kart 8 is number 7, and uh, Super Mario Odyssey is number 10. So you can imagine maybe Mario Kart will just have those legs to overtake it in the long run. Um, the rest of this month's list, though, Lego Incredibles uh, at number uh, seven. That debut. one, yeah, that's a debut, and it's also I get I I think it's the second best debut for a Lego t- movie tie-in. Like you uh, know, the expectations are typically a little shorter for Lego games. This is pretty good. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're just they make them on. Uh, I think I would imagine on the cheap. Not to say that they're cheap games, but they have their methods of making them. They know what they're doing. They follow that process, and then they get them out probably at a relatively reduced cost. So getting number seven on this list is really good, and to have the the second best Lego debut ever, that's probably that's something. Apparently, it did really well because it was like came out right when the movie came out. Right, it was way. practically a movie tie-in game. Exactly. Yeah, don't, so. Isn't a thing anymore. Right, so yeah, they really benefited from that. Uh, and then at number eight is FIFA 18. It does not include Origin Access sales. Um, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy was number nine. Got a boost by coming out on the Switch, right, and, and Xbox One, right, uh, and PC. Uh, and then uh, Detroit Become Human was number 10. That's a second uh, month. Right. I, I'll, for Mario Stasis, I'll, I'll, I will point out, doesn't include digital sales. So All, all Switch games don't. Right, exactly. I, 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 they think there's some that, like, from third-party publishers might. I, I have to go back and look. What, Stephanie did the over, all, yeah. overall thing. That's just what, what, what disappoints me about that is, like, I really want to know, like, Octopath Traveler, how that's going to rank here. But I don't, does that even have a physical release I think it, in the U.S.? Maybe it, it does. I'm sure it does. Um, that uh, They sold a million copies of that so far. Right. They were, their wording was real weird because they said shipped. But they included digital sales in it, so it's right. The numbers a combination of digital sales and physical copies shipped to stores. (laughs) Right, you can't ship things to the internet. Uh, Yeah, I've tried; it doesn't work, guys. It just doesn't work. Um, Let's, uh, uh, yeah. So, Switch was the only platform to experience software growth. Uh, All the other ones kind of down year over year. Uh, Again, that's Mario Tennis Ace is coming out and doing really well. So, Um, so you see that like just releasing a Nintendo game on the Switch. Even when you typically wouldn't think of it as like a gangbusters game, it could still climb to the top of the charts. How right. well do you think Captain Toad is going to do in the July MPD? Because I think that's going to be interesting. I bet it's in like I bet it's going to be like top three or four. Maybe I would say number four. Well, I, I have to look at what else is coming out. Because when did it come out? It came out in July. July or July eleventh ish or something right. like that. Uh, and so there wasn't a lot else in July. 13th, so I bet July it makes 13th. top. I bet it makes top three. Do you yeah. think that that game is already? Outsold the Wii U version on Switch. Oh yeah, I oh almost guaranteed for sure. That's yeah, because just I mean just the way games are selling on the Switch, it's just inevitable. Um, and you know even if it doesn't make you know the top half of the chart for physical, because again Nintendo games aren't included on that uh, the, the digital sales. I bet the digital sales of that game are really good. I bet you know what? Isn't Captain Toad kind of like a successor to Donkey Kong '94? Well, it's kind bit. of like many levels. It's a puzzle platformer game. A little right? bit. It's definitely in that same spirit, for sure. And that's that's one of the reasons I like Captain Toad so much. I still need to um, get to that. Ugh. It's a good game. It doesn't, you know, doesn't have all the, the locomotion and the movement that's so great in Donkey Kong, but... Right. Um, 
let's just uh, hit this list. I'm just going to, you know, bop, bop, bop right through it. This is the, these are the best-selling games of 2018 so far. We already talked about Far Cry's number one. Number two, God of War. Monster Hunter World. Call of Duty World War II. Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V at six. Mario Kart 8. NBA 2K18 at eight. Um, and then uh, MLB The Show at nine. And Super Mario Odyssey at ten. I, I think it's really interesting the Japanese games Mario or uh, Monster Hunter World at three, Dragon Ball Fighters at five, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. feel like we're super used to seeing Cap- Capcom and Bandai Namco in this list, uh, right? Uh, it definitely feels like that's uh, the PlayStation Four can take a lot of credit for that. They just a lot of fans of Japanese games own that system, and it's just such a huge success that it's pushing these games to the tops of the ch- top of the charts. Uh, Monster Hunter World's getting a price reduction and coming to PC soon, so. I imagine it's going to keep doing well. God of War is probably going to keep selling. Uh, God of War as a system exclusive at number two is pretty impressive. I, yeah. we still, we'll have to get through the fall. This is not going. To, the list is not going to look like this at the end of the year. Um, it'll be Call of Duty at the end of the year, like usually. right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be the yeah the new Call of Duty, um, and then we'll see like what gets pushed off at the bottom there. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Five has made this list though uh, every year since it's launched. So I, I would imagine the lowest I would put that is, you know, seven, maybe, because it's just going to keep selling every month. So we'll see. We'll see what's get, what, get, what gets pushed off. Um, I think that does it for MPD. Not a lot of other news. So uh, let's just hit these last stories and get on out of here, Mike. Um, I, uh, I picked this one up from IGN. Uh, I, uh, I'd have to look closer to see exactly who they talked to to kind of get this. But they say Bioware is still working on Mass Effect and Dragon Age alongside Anthem. Um, and that's their story. And I would say working on is maybe stretching, right? Stretching the definition there. They got, they got an artist, you know, drawing some, some pictures of an elf or something. Right. They're not, they have not put those series on absolute ice. They haven't put them in the freezer, uh, to forget about completely, but they are, uh, right. There's some people thinking about them day to day here and there. Anthem is the Bioware game for the foreseeable future. It is the game that is going to make or break the future of Bioware. And if it comes out and it is a flop, don't don't be like, oh, well, the Mass Effect and New Dragon Age are coming. Of course, don't. I would not count on that. This is... No, this is uh, all hands on deck for this company. Right, absolutely. Uh, so th- these these stories, I think, are just are misleading. I, I don't blame people for, for, for like, writing this, these kinds of things because it is... Um, they're very secretive. They don't tell us what's going on. And they say these things in a way that, that makes it sound like, Oh, well, we, we time to get excited about a new dragon age, but and it's not happening. Here's the weird thing. Cause there's two things that are going to happen. One, uh, Anthem flops, in which case Bioware just might be in permanent trouble. Right. Two, it's a big hit, in which case, well, now right. you got to keep making content for Anthem. Exactly. And I don't think, I don't yeah. think it's going to be a great idea to start working on mass effect five at that right. point. The, these are, uh, exactly. These are not, uh, games that are going to be coming anytime soon that's right because no matter what anthem is the future of bioware for for good or for not so yeah we'll we'll see and and maybe you know uh e3 2020 we'll we'll get another chance to see some of these other games as ea is like okay well we 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 have the content flow happening we're gonna be able to support anthem for a long time this is great. Now let's start figuring out what else we could do to diversify again. But that's like a best case scenario, honestly. I can't, I think. I can't say I'm too bothered if we never have another Mass Effect or Dragon Age. I know Dragon Age's story is a little bit more left open after three, but eh. yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they need to to reboot uh, their their ideas. They need to do what they did with the original Mass Effect and 
uh, with the original Dragon Age and come up with some some new stuff. Uh, you know, they, they this is the company that made KOTOR and Jade Empire and stuff like that. Kind of just roll the dice and come up with something new, uh, completely fresh, beyond Anthem. Like, Anthem is one thing, but like in that old Bioware model still of a single-player you know, narrative RPG, uh, I think they still have room to, to innovate and do some different stuff, so I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, last story. Gamefly is shutting down its video game streaming service service this month. Mike, are you uh, devastated? No. You just yeah, I can I I can tell you're being you're in denial. You're in denial right I, now. You know I how tell. I don't even I'm, I'm skeptical about video game streaming in like the next five years, let alone what they've been doing. Uh, honestly, I uh, Gamefly sold its streaming technology to EA, to EA months ago, so I was under the impression they already cut, like closed this down. Like I knew they I knew they still owned the business of streaming their games or whatever. Uh, but I'm like, oh, if they sold the technology, and obviously they're getting out of this. They're just gonna it's closed down from this day forward. And that was like two or three months ago uh, before E3. So yeah, this is uh, surprising to me that it, it was even still going. Um, I, do you think it's indicative of of what these other companies, these bigger companies, can do with streaming? I, I don't. It's weird that it's weird to me. Streaming has become a hot topic this year. We, we've been hearing all the major companies right. talking about it. You know, the rumors of the next Xbox going to have like a normal console and the streaming one. Right. I'm still so skeptical of this, uh, but it just seems like it's. I wonder if it's a thing we're talking a lot now, and then we're just going to ignore, like we did with cloud gaming before, and we've done with some other right. things, like AR, even, for, at least in terms of like right. consoles. Uh, I don't know. It's. I, I think you're. I think you're probably right. I, it does seem like. It, it seems like it is going to like if it works, it's supposed to be for people who aren't already playing video games on a on a dedicated console or PC. It's supposed to be for people who have a smart TV only, or have you know, and a smartphone. Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, maybe the future of smartphones is a really, really, like, every single smartphone is going to be powerful enough and capable of connecting to TVs super simply to the point where it can work as a console and you still have it in your hand and it's just beaming wirelessly to your TV. And so playing games on it with a, you know, a controller or using the, the phone as a controller uh, as it beams this video to your TV, it's like, oh, it's so simple. Why wouldn't we support this? Um maybe but even in th that situation that's not going to be the preferred way for most people who already play these games in certain ways so yeah we'll see i i, I do think that um gamefly is different than microsoft and amazon and google companies that have existing cloud infrastructures they have server farms all around the world in key locations just outside key cities with huge populations um and that's very different than a company like sony coming in and trying to do cloud stuff. Um, you know, maybe on the back of Amazon, using Amazon cloud services instead of having it themselves. And it makes it just a little bit more expensive. So it, it, it feels like Gamefly was in a situation where, you know, it was trying to do this without having that internal infrastructure and it just wasn't ever going to work for them in a way that it maybe could work for Microsoft and Google. But even for them, I, I'm with you. I'm skeptical. So we'll see. All right. Mike, let's... uh. Let's get out of here. Let's do this thing. Let's uh, say goodbye to the folks. Uh, we'll be back next week. Not sure when we'll do the podcast next week. Maybe in the middle of the week. Try to get back to the Whatever. early in the week schedule. Yeah, we'll see. We, we do one one a week. That's what we do here. We'll see. Sure. Uh, uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. -O. I was writing for GamesBeat. And uh, I also do the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother. That's at ebpodcast.com. 
And I am uh, I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. I uh, am Jeff YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb on YouTube and twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb on there. I uh, will be streaming some Dead Cells. Might just do that on the GamesBeat account. Uh, we'll see. Uh, follow us on twitch.tv slash GamesBeat. Um, I also, uh, I was, I just started Yakuza 0 on the PC. I'm glad that series is on PC now. Um, it gets, it, it's off to a slow start. I just, there's so much story and I just want to be like in the open yeah, world and like running my like casino. Yeah, people love it. So I'm going to try to stick with it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we'll be back next week. And until then, have a good one, everybody. Goodbye. Still sound like someone's dying, Mike. Oh, it's it now sounds like it's raining and I'm studying or something. Yeah, lo-fi, chill hop, YouTube, play.